0: Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we're going to be talking about a different loop, the Great European Loop, with some of our AGLCA members who have done that adventure. But before I introduce them, I want to recognize and thank our Admiral Sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, United Yacht Sales of the Carolinas, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And I would now like to introduce Captains Ed and Sue Kelly. Um, Ed and Sue, thanks for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. It's our pleasure. And Ed and Sue are joining us from aboard their boat. They are currently cruising, Um, but they kind of describe themselves as two prairie-raised Iowans who sold everything, bought a boat, and sailed off into retirement. But the Great Loop is not your first boating adventure. Um, Instead, you started by tackling the Great Loop of Europe. So tell us exactly what that is and how you decided to do it.
1: Surely, yeah.
2: Uh, kind of our name for it. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, we also have called it the quasi circumnavigation of Europe. It uh, it entailed a the first trip ever uh, going from London to London, using the uh, North Sea, crossing the North Sea into Holland, and then going up the Issel River, the Rhine River, the uh, uh, Main River. Uh, over the continental divide in a, a commercial canal called the Europa Canal into the start of the Danube, and then all the way to the Dan- down the Danube through Vienna and all the great cities of Europe to the Black Sea, and then around to, through uh, Istanbul and the Sea of Marmara, Aegean Sea, all the way through the Mediterranean Sea, turning right after we got past Spain and Portugal, and cruising against the current up the coast all the way back up past Spain and France and through the English Channel back to the Thames River in London.
0: Absolutely amazing. And um, most of us just kind of stress out about crossing the border into Canada during our Great Loop trip. You obviously hit many countries. Um, What made you conjure up this adventure? What made you decide to do this?
2: Ed had wanted to go to London, and once we got in London, we were um, wanted to get to the Met, and we found out we were just we're on a catamaran, and we found out we were six to eight inches too wide to go through uh, one of the French canals to get to the Met. So our only other choice was to do the, the main working rivers, and we uh, found a Ed found a newspaper article that showed they call them hotel ships. They're the little bit smaller cruise ships that were going mm-hmm. from the North Sea to the Black Sea. And we said if we took our mast down, we could do that. And then we just kept going after that.
1: Many great loopers have taken uh, some of these cruises on the Viking lines and other lines uh, that right. go on the Rhine and the Main uh, and the Danube, and they are wonderful trips. We just happened to do it on our own boat after we took the mast down.
0: Yeah, and and as you said, I know of a lot of loopers who have done little pieces of this, but not on their own boat. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your boat. You said it's a catamaran.
1: Our boat was built in southern England at the city of Christchurch uh, on the south shore of England. It is a 1987 uh, fiberglass catamaran, very heavy. Uh, It's an
2: unusual looking boat, but um, people Mm -hmm. see us and forget us. We're very low to the water, it's very heavy. Um, it's very comfortable for us, and when we have a mast, it's a very short mast, so we don't go very fast like other catamarans. It was,
1: it was built 30 years ago, and we bought it used. It was at the right price, and uh, we have used it to go to 48 countries and five continents as explorers, but we really tell everyone, and it's true, we are truly chicken sailors. We
0: are always
1: <laughs> terrified.
0: So what brought you, and it sounds like you had some boating experience between growing up in Iowa and starting this European loop. So um, you also you brought the boat to Europe yourself. So tell us a little bit about the boating experience that got you to the point that you felt like you could undertake this journey. I mean, it, it was 4,000-plus miles, correct? Uh,
1: that's correct. The, uh, uh, the original, the trip around Europe, we determined, is 6,200 miles uh, to do the circle around Europe. I uh, originally had uh, graduated from school and and saw an ad in a popular science magazine for an 11-foot sea snark that was sold by Cool Cigarettes for $88 back uh, about uh, 40 years ago. And I bought that and had that and then got a trailer boat in Iowa on Iowa Lakes, and we would trailer it a couple times over to Lake Michigan, where we'll be able to cruise through now on this great loop. And then, otherwise, uh, when we were nearing the end of our uh, uh, professional careers, I was a, a lawyer, and Sue was a nurse practitioner. We decided, let's become liveaboards. We won't have to go back from being on the boat in the uh, evenings on or afternoons on Sunday. And so we just sold everything and uh, bought Angel Louise back. Uh, Twenty uh, back, it'd be uh, uh, ten years ago now.
2: Yes. When I met Ed, I met Ed in 98. Prior to that, um, my only experience was on a little runabout that you could water ski behind. I met mm-hmm. Ed. The goal was to take off and go cruising. Um, I did take, because I didn't know anything, I did take um, uh, the Power Squadron course and the um, Coast Guard Auxiliary course, and then when we were in Brunswick, um, Georgia, before we left, Ed and I both did take the captain's license.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell us the stats of the Great Loop of Europe, um, mileage, days, locks, things like that.
1: Certainly. We left. Uh, we wanted to stay in London, and we, we uh, had rented a marina uh, slip in uh, downtown London, just right next to Tower Bridge, called St. Catherine's Dock. It cost us $4,000 to stay there for the winter of 2011 to 2012. We had crossed crossed the Atlantic just before that and arrived there just at the end of October. Uh, And uh, we went on our trip going down the Thames, which has a tide that goes up to 28 feet uh, up and down. Uh, It's amazing. The tide pushes you all the way up to London and it, when you're ready to go back to the sea it pushes you uh, you go about halfway and then you tie up and then you go the next tide to make it. Anyway we you, um, we went from there over to the uh, uh, town of Lelystad just past Amsterdam and uh, took our our masts down because of the uh, low bridges and and the concerns we had with the mast uh, and it took a, just took a week for us to do that, and then we uh, started out uh, through the towns. We went through Arnhem, the first uh, town we really spent a significant amount of time in, where they still uh, celebrate the uh, great Canadians, Americans, and Brits that had come and helped uh, try to liberate uh, Arnhem and Holland uh, by parachuting in in World War II. Uh, we visited there. We were in a church where they still have paratroopers' uh, models hanging from the top of their chapel in memory of those that died and trying to save their city. But we went from there up the uh, Rhine. We were told by uh, five different people uh, that we would not be able to make it. So we were prepared to turn around and just make that an adventure. Uh, the
2: current on the Rhine was um, it's the Rhine Gorge, and that. Is the most significant part, and we were told we wouldn't make it. Um, the current is wouldn't very make strong. it because of
0: the speed of the current versus your boat. Right. At
2: right.
1: times we were going less than a mile per hour, and a couple times you stop. You have to learn to run the river because you're going against the current towards the Continental Divide, and the Continental Divide of Europe goes right down the middle. So you're really fighting some tough currents sometimes, and mm-hmm. you have to stay to the side. You have to get uh, official licenses uh, that that they issue out of uh, uh, Europe. The uh, Royal Yacht Association. Yes, and that shows that you're uh, competent, and you have to get one for near shore and inland. Uh, they have different uh, markings, and, and you have to show all that. You have to get a different radio uh, that gives your uh, identity. But we did that, and, and it worked. However, we found in in getting to the uh, rivers that the current was really, really fierce. And at times, we had one time we went by a buoy, and I timed how long it went from the front of the boat to the back of the boat. We're a 40-foot
2: boat. We're
1: a 40-foot boat, and it took us a full 60 seconds to get past the buoy. (laughs) That was the slowest of all.
2: From the North Sea to the Black Sea, we went through a total of 74 locks. Um, and obviously, for part of that time you were climbing up, and then the rest of the time the locks were lowering you down. The highest lock was uh, about 88 feet. 88 feet uh, tall. The highest mm-hmm. place we took a
1: boat. Yes, it, the you go over the highest place in the world. There is no place in the world you can take a boat to unless you use a helicopter or a that uh, you can take a boat, and it's 1,337 feet above sea level, and it's on uh, a commercial canal that goes and connects the main river with the Danube River, right near the town of Nuremberg. And uh, when, you, when you're at the very top of that, you can look down and you can see uh, cars and, and see the valleys uh, beneath you, and uh, you're in a viaduct, so to speak. Uh, it's very easy because there's no current there because it's all locked and then Mm -hmm. you turn down after uh, there and go right into the Danube. Go through these historic old uh, German towns, and you're on the edge of what was originally the Holy Roman Empire and including one of the capitals of the Holy Roman Empire, at Bamberg, Germany.
2: Probably one of the other things with with going through the, the major rivers, there were not a lot of pleasure boats. At all. And going through these locks, the cruise ships had first priority. The huge barges, the working barges, had second priority. And if there was room, then we got in after them, um, mm-hmm. which could be a challenge. To um, quick hit the bollard and get attached before the barges kicked in their engines to snug up their lines. Sue would mm-hmm. yell at me and say, Try and go to the right side. And I'd the, with
1: the current, with the other boats going in and having their engines on, I'd say, I'm just trying to hit the middle, and uh, mm-hmm. it was a real challenge.
2: And the, other, the other part on, the, on those rivers were most of the places where we could tie up some of them weren't even really like marinas, um, but they just had small runabouts there that the locals used, so we obviously were the biggest boat. Most of the time we could find a place and and get there. We were told one time we were waved away, and everybody spoke German, but we could understand that they didn't want us there, that we were too big for their their, um, walkway that they had that they had tied boats on. We had Uh to carry 10 different
1: language dictionaries uh, uh, that we kept on our iPhone uh, and had to use that because uh, there's 10 different languages. But the main language on the rivers was German. And uh, Sue had memorized a, a, uh, a... Had a little cheat sheet. ...of, of what to say. <laughs> and we finally had the... She'd have to uh, say, do... We had AIS, so we'd see what boat was going to be the last commercial boat, and say, do we follow uh, Shinsen into the uh, lock? Yeah, or nine? And then they mm-hmm. would say, yeah, or nine uh... before we did that they would talk back and we wouldn't understand everything they were saying Uh the most interesting language thing we had was when we got into Vienna they saw our AIS the television station, one of the network news stations in Vienna, the public radio of Austria came to the dock and and wanted to video us and they videoed us, uh, questioned us in English and then at the uh, uh, took a video of us coming in, had us go out and come in again so they could have it for the uh, Austrian national news that evening. And anyway, they did play that, but we noticed that when it was played, we were speaking perfect German, which we don't speak <laughs> the
0: So, you, you know, obviously there were some navigation challenges. You mentioned some of the, the speed on the currents. Um, you mentioned a little bit of challenges sometimes finding um, the equivalent of a marina to tie up to. Um, what other challenges were there navigation or services wise? I know um, an article that you sent me uh, shared a pretty interesting story about getting fuel. Oh,
2: yes. That was. yes. One of the other things um, <coughs> was there were extremely few books or charts or anything on this to go by. And the one big book that we found was called Der Rhein, and it was all in German. Everything was in German. But at least they had good pictures and good charts in there that you could pretty much understand by that. Mm -hmm. Um, The fuel, Ed. The fuel, we
1: carried extra jugs, which we are carrying now again uh, on the uh, American Great Loop. And uh, we, we have two diesel engines. On our trip, we lost both engines. One of them in the uh, Danube in Belgrade, so that we only had one engine and the water was dropping. And the other engine uh, got us out of there and we, we found a person that would sell us uh, an engine at very low cost over their cost, distributor for the uh, Yanmar Motor Company when yeah. we got to Istanbul. Yeah, and then we, we lost the second engine Then when we got to Spain and the Mediterranean, and again. Someone took pity on us and, and uh, was very kind to us. Uh, at every place, we met wonderful people, and it's been what we've found in boating everywhere. People seem to uh, have an attitude that's sort of like the little house on the prairie. Everyone is willing to help everyone else.
2: The one mm-hmm. thing about the people is when we were, um, especially on the major rivers, we were been told by people to just be sure and top up our fuel wherever we could, because you would never know when you could get fuel again. And on the Mm -hmm. rivers, they had fuel barges that were just tied to the side and you pulled up. Um, But there was a difference in them, and one was just for the work boats, which we tied up first, they're not knowing that, and they told us they couldn't help us. We had to go back. And then the other was a fuel barge that had both. Uh, had fuel for the recreational.
1: There were very few places you could get uh, fuel, usually uh, around a major city. Uh, And the biggest problem we had uh, was in Belgrade and we were tied up to a river restaurant. The owner was very kind and let us tie up to his outside seating area.
2: And he did speak
1: English, thank goodness. He was wonderful. Anyway, he ended up getting a panel truck with a big uh, plastic tank and uh, ran a 100-yard uh, hose, hose, garden hose, all through his restaurant, past his white table clause, and uh, past the line bar and out on the deck and onto our boat so that we'd be able to fill up.
2: It was all
0: just... That's <laughs> really <laughs> 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 yeah, amazing. Yeah, it- It's nice to hear that what we see in North America and particularly with America's Great Loopers, um, you know, that spirit of helping each other uh, sounds like it exists for the Great Loop of Europe as well. So that's definitely good to hear. Um, We're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. Um, When we come back, and, and obviously there's so much to cover here, we can't do it all in the time of this podcast. Um, But we've talked about some of your challenges, but I'd like to shift when we come back and talk about some of the highlights of this amazing journey. So um, we'll listen to this message, and we'll be back in a moment. That'd be great. Green Turtle Bay Marina and Resort has consistently been voted a must-stop by loopers. It has earned the coveted five-anchor designation from Quimby's Cruising Guide. This full-service marina features over 450 slips, They are located at mile marker 31.5 on the scenic Cumberland River. Green Turtle Bay is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA, so join them and find your
2: waterway of life.
0: We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Captains Ed and Sue Kelly. Um, They are current Great Loopers. Who have uh, had a previous adventure on the Great European Loop, um, or the Great Loop of Europe, um, which they have dubbed it. Um, we focused a little bit on some of the challenges of undertaking an adventure like this. Let's talk about some of the highlights. Um, let's start with some cruising grounds. As far as the waterways you cruise, what were some of the best cruising grounds you came across?
1: Uh, we have had that's been the hardest thing our whole life. People say, where did you like it best? But it's our ten years of continuous cruising, every place is special and, and seems nice. In uh, our own way, every place has been very special to us. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, uh, and and coming through uh, there, all of the places we did in that European trip were just great. We loved Vienna. Vienna basically turns its back on the the river and doesn't focus on the river, but then in Budapest, that's further uh, down the Danube, it. Embraces the river. Buddha and Pesh are on different sides of the river, and, and everything uh, focuses on the river. It's just wonderful. Yeah. We loved uh, walking the Parthenon. Uh, loved uh, the Greek the islands. Greek islands. Uh, we have seen so much of the history, the the uh, history of the early Christianity that's all along the shores of ancient Greece that are now uh, part of Turkey. Uh, was just unbelievable, and, and we spent 30 days in Gibraltar. Uh, there is a uh, walkway where you can walk all the way to the top of Gibraltar. It's only about the three rock. hours
2: of the rock. Of the rock, <laughs>
1: yes. It's,
2: it was just. When just we got, and when we got to Spain, uh, we happened to look at the chart again, and it said that's where uh, Columbus had began his voyage. And um, so we, we went there and um, it was fabulous. We kind of followed some of the places where, where he stopped along the way in Spain and in some of the other islands, which was, um, the history was just really fantastic for us and to realize there. Just, uh, I can't say enough about the people in all the places, no matter where we were, what country, whether they spoke English or, or not, or whether we could speak their language or not. People were wonderful. They would come down to the dock and talk to us. You could communicate even though you can't speak the same language. Um, Some of them invited us into their home for meals. Some of them even um, gave us rides. Um, One funny
1: thing that happened, though, in every country we were in, the people would be friendly and want to do anything they could to help us. But they'd say, be real careful about the next country. And the people in the (laughs) just said that about them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so um give us kind of the final overview how many countries how long um i don't think we've covered how many days and, and the total miles and locks and things like that
1: the total locks we went from uh the black sea uh excuse me north sea to the black sea going from west to east uh, and we went in a clockwise way and it was okay. it was a total of 74 locks uh, to go up to the 1,337 feet and then back down again all the way. Uh, it was 6,200 miles. We stopped during the uh, winter on the uh, shore of ancient Greece at Marmaris, Turkey.
2: For four and, months. And
1: we were we were there for, for four months. And uh, we used that also to go back and explore Paris by uh, airplane because uh, we had not gone through there. But... Uh, uh, the total days were uh, uh, just under 500 days, 494 days to make the, uh, the full trip. But we were limited because the 27 countries that are in Schengen, uh, excluding Gibraltar and the and, uh, United Kingdom, limit you to only 90 days in any 180-day running period.
2: That's not per country. That's in all the total countries. All 27 the European Union with the Schengen Treaty. So there were times that Turkey was out of that, so we could stay in Turkey. We did make a stop in Tunisia just to stop the clock for a little bit and picked up fuel there. We did, um, Gibraltar we stayed in because that was out of the Schengen area. And we did make a stop in Morocco just to Uh, be there. count as out time also.
1: You can keep an American boat in Europe for uh, a year and one half But then at that time, you have to leave. If you overstay that, you have to pay a tax of approximately 20% of the new value of your boat. And so we wanted to make sure we didn't do that. We were limited in individual countries to to, any time we wanted up to the 90 days total uh, in any uh, six month period. And it was a running six-month period, so it didn't help if you left for a day. Uh, you'd have to leave for like six months.
2: A lot it made the, it very difficult. A lot of the Americans what they would do wherever they were, they would leave their boat and, and come back to America and spend three months. So when they went back, their 90 days started over again. Our boat was. So it's only- actually a
0: the count is attached to the people, not the boat.
2: Correct. That's right. Correct. Immigration. Correct.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. Lots of uh, details that I'm sure uh, those of us who have not even envisioned this trip never even thought about on how you would plan for something like that, particularly since you're somewhat pioneers in this area. Um, You didn't have a lot of people coming before you like you do on the American Great Loop to kind of pave the way and figure all those details out for you. Um, You are on the American Great Loop now. Um, Where are you and uh, kind of what's your time frame um, for doing this loop?
1: Today we're in Fishing Bay, Virginia, and uh, using their great facilities here. uh, We started when we came back from Town, in the Bahamas. Uh, We arrived at Fort Pierce uh, uh, just a little while before the rendezvous in in New Bern, and we Mm -hmm. have come up uh, to New Bern for that, and then we have left there. We've changed our mast. We have only a six-foot mast now. And we left our regular mast in a boatyard and had a new one constructed so that we could have our uh, total height be limited to uh, 16 and a half feet.
2: We are here for um, an event with the Ocean Cruising Club Uh, for a few days here in June and then we will proceed on up the Chesapeake and we plan to keep moving and get up to the Hudson and get into the Canadian waters.
1: We hope to get to the uh, Erie Canal at the top of the Hudson uh, by uh, July 1st and hope to be uh, up to the Trent Severn uh, as shortly as possible after that. We we are going to do the whole loop in a period of 10 months if if our plans follow. We will Mm -hmm. be at the rendezvous. It's going to be held in uh, Alabama and are Mm -hmm. looking forward to that.
2: we have right. cruised um, this part of the loop several times, so we plan on just going kind of quickly through it so we get up uh, further on to the Hudson.
0: Right. And where will you officially cross your wake?
2: It would be in Fort, Fort Pierce. Pierce.
0: Fort Pierce. Well, wonderful. Um, thank you both for joining us and sharing this really amazing story. I think you're uh, probably more adventuresome, at least more adventuresome than myself. How uh, we <laughs> um, Probably a some trailer. of our. <laughs> probably some of our other great loopers as well, but a really amazing story, and I'm sure that there are others like you who would love to be able to replicate this journey, so I'm sure you'll get a lot of questions. Do you have a blog or website that people can go to to learn more about this?
1: No, but we we have an email, and anyone that wants to follow along, we let, uh, we'll let send emails out with uh, just a few smaller pictures. But our email is at edandsueatc, and then the at symbol gmail.com. So the words are all spelled out, Ed, A-N-D, Sue, S-U-E, A-T for at, C-S-E-A, at gmail.com. We'd be very happy to hear from anyone and and answer any questions.
0: Well, Ed and Sue, thank you for joining us. And for those of you who are interested in more, we're hoping to get Ed and Sue at one of our AGLCA events at some point down the road where they can do a little bit of a longer time and have some of their visuals along with this, too, because some of the pictures are spectacular. Um, So, again, Ed and Sue, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you sharing your time and the details of this great journey with us.
1: It's a pleasure, Kim. Thank you for all you do.
0: Um, It is my pleasure. To our listeners, uh, thank you for joining us once again. We will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>